Makaya McRaven is a central character in Chicago's progressive jazz scene, bringing a producer's approach to live drumming, rhythm, and beat making, which has earned him the nickname Beat Scientist. He's signed to International Anthem, the label who've also released records by Angel Bat David, Ben Lamar Gay, and Jamie Branch, having most recently dropped the critically acclaimed Universal Beings, which quickly followed his Chicago London mixtape. He's recognized as an innovator with a unique sound. Just before his set at Love Supreme Jazz Festival this summer, Makaya McRaven joined me and a live audience in the Jazz Lounge. We talked about the importance of recording spaces, the heritage of Chicago's jazz history, and touched on his upcoming projects. Enjoy listening. Supreme Standards. I'm really looking forward to this one today. Uh, we're talking to a drummer, a producer, a real visionary who is extremely talented and has been a huge integral part of the Chicago jazz scene right now. And he's just flying off the back of his record, Universal Beings, which came out at the end of last year. So please show your love and appreciation for Makaya McRaven. Welcome. Um, we're really lucky to have you here because you just got off a flight and here you are. So thank you for relaxing with us before oh, your set later. It's my pleasure. Yay, What's up, you. everybody? How are you doing? So let's start off. We're talking about um, a bit of a nickname that you have, which is the Beat Scientist. Sure. Can yeah. you tell us about where that name came from? Well, you know, I think it originally it just was like colorful colorful language using you know working on explaining kind of what I what I was doing um, but you know the more I've kind of kind of dug into the concept really um, I'm a drummer I'm a drummer I'm a producer I make I make I make beats I study rhythm I'm interested in in, in rhythm and polyrhythm and uh, advanced meters uh, metric modulation also how t how time actually like works and like what it is that we do when we're, when we're performing rhythm. Like rhythm, for instance, is the only way that we can measure the, the phenomenon of time passing by, mm. right? So like the ticking on a clock or anything is, is a pulse, it's a, B, a BPM. And so, you know, the more I kind of get into just the study of rhythm, whether that's in a scientific, the scientific realm or in a strictly musical realm and rhythm or in, in, in ethnomusicology and looking how rhythm affects people and culture and how rhythm has been used traditionally um, throughout history uh, to even um, just working with electronic music. You right. know, and studying, studying how to like make beats, and what is that about, and what is it to DJ, and how is electronic music made, and experimenting and doing experiments with rhythm, time, technology, all towards you know my growth in the study of music through rhythm from from where I'm coming from. So that's that's kind of like a broad way of saying it. You know, it can also just be something that like you know people in the media think sounds cool. <laughs> And it does sound cool, so successful on a very full scale. Um, so I guess you're looking at rhythm and the drums in a lot of different contexts. Mm -hmm. When it comes to sitting down at a drum kit, what kind of context are you in when it comes to 
you know, sort of playing with a full kit around you? Is it like an extension of your body? Does it feel like a very separate thing? I was wondering how that, how your I, relationship is with it. Personally, my relationship with the drum set is very old, and it's just, it goes all the way to, as far as I can remember. My father is a drummer. I grew up on a drum set, um, and so I've been practicing and studying drums since I was old enough to hold the drumsticks and um you know it is a bit second nature i mean i generally feel more comfortable standing on stage or sitting on stage behind a drum set than i would behind a microphone or having to do any anything else because that's like my my voice in in performance and 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 uh, as comfortable place for me i guess your drums is like your vocabulary in a sense, like you're sitting here now with a mic and it's, you know, very, uh, what's the word? It's very instant. But actually with a drum kit, you have this external kind of equipment in front of you, which is sort of translating the way that you want to communicate. Yeah, I mean, rhythm, the great thing about rhythm is you, like you could be a drum kit or you could just be the floor. It doesn't matter. It's just rhythm. You know, we can, we all embody it in some way. You can embody rhythm with motion without the presence of sound you know dancers do this all the time um so it's it's just that's that's my most comfortable medium you know it as the same as i've like uh oriented myself as a drummer and a beat maker and, and all this stuff you know i've generally in have tried to define myself and at least when it comes to defining myself as a musician first and a drummer second which may be a little contrary to what i said about the being about beat scientist but um you know I feel like I like to engage with music in a, in a, a lot of different mediums, um, and I and like my goal is to be a continual student of music, mm. you know, and try to achieve mastery in my craft, which is something I think that isn't any sort of arrival point. It's something that is a constant goal, and a, and the goalposts will continue to move. Right. At least I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, and so I've been I'm investing myself into my own personal growth as an artist and a musician um, and and then trying to grow professionally within that so I can support that that you know that mission you know because if I can't grow professionally then I don't have a platform to continue to grow personally on you know for my own growth I mean it just gives me more time I have a little more time to like really invest everything that I have into the growth and, and creation of the art that, right. I'm, that I'm doing. And whatever our expertise is, whether it's in music or, you know, aside from that, I guess as soon as we feel like that we know everything there is to know, it becomes boring, and that's completely would be incorrect anyway, whatever our craft yeah, is. Yeah, and so. I think it applies, yeah, to any to any field and anything you're trying to get really good at or, or, or something, you know. It takes a, a lifelong pursuit, right. you know. Yeah, um, and you were mentioning as well that you you put yourself as a musician first in your in your mind. So if I kind of draw that over to production in a sense, am I right in saying that all of your records start from live recordings, which are then sort of chopped and played with and restructured? Yeah, the last the the, the last four records, right? The, the kind of bulk of my output have been around live situations that we've recorded or or. Uh, recording a non-traditional type of space, you know, um, to partially to kind of demystify the studio space and bring in uh, different elements um, 
a vulnerability to the to the music. You know, um, I always think like as a producer and an engineer or whatever. You know, we all know studio magic, right? So we can you can tune anything, you can fix anything, I can edit anything, all that stuff. That's been part of the process of making the records, right? But what I can't do is you can't add inspiration to a recording that's not there. You know, I can't edit in the magic of what happens. And so I found that at least in the process that I've gone into that recording in front of an audience you know, and having people there, especially in an improvised context where there's, we don't know as much is going to go on, we're, we're entering the unknown together. I feel like the audience really adds a, 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 a crucial element to the music and it really brings some spirit into, into there, you know. Not saying that you can't just make something beautiful in the studio, people have been doing that forever, but I do feel like in the context it was like, when we get on stage and we don't know what's gonna happen and we're gonna, we're gonna step out and be vulnerable and there's people there watching, there's an excitement, there's something, there's a spirit there. It's hard to define exactly what that is. But, but um, those hard to find things in music, those are the things that I'm after. Those are the things that, that where music succeeds where words fail. Music as a language that I can't, I can't, I can't say something directly literal to you you know, through through music, maybe if we come up with some sort of like code, I can. But but really, I can't like be like, doo doo dabba doo doo. Yo, what's up, everybody? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's not how the language of music works. You know. Yeah, yeah. But when I when we're performing, you know, even if we don't, we never spoken about it, we can communicate abstract thought, mm. feelings, things that are hard. When you say like, how did how did it make it? You gotta like come up with the words. To describe that, that that kind of place, that's that's the magic in in the music that I'm interested in in getting towards. And I saw how improvising in front of people, I think, has helped facilitate that at times. There's an element of of danger and fight or flight that I take from what you're saying that makes you bring your best to that oh, live oh, moment. Oh yeah, I love that with the musicians too. It's like you get a cat on stage, you, like you know, I get to work with some of the best musicians in the world. They can play almost anything you put in front of them, you know? I'm, but I'm less interested in just executing, you know, this music properly, mm. or like, we're gonna execute it and then we're gonna get it right. You know, I like, I wanna, I wanna see it, if I'm in the audience, I wanna see the performer put, put, put themselves out there a little bit. I wanna feel that. I like the danger. I like the I looseness, like the looseness and, the, and the feeling, and the feeling of like, oh, you know, this is vulnerable. There's vulnerability, and I think that really connects to to the human experience. Right, and that's been a, an element of Universal Beings as well. Um, the fantastic record that came out last year, which was uh, recorded between four different cities, so LA, Chicago, London, New York. And I'm curious for, you know, I wanna start talking about, about that record a bit more. What gave you the idea to be in these four different cities? Well, an, originally we did In The Moment, which was the first record I did in this style. Um, where we played in one space, one venue in Chicago, and I had a kind of a cast of musicians that were coming in there and, and rotating. And I, I really loved in that record where I got to work with a lot of people from my, my scene, from my Chicago scene. And um, that really afforded me the opportunity to start coming out here and, and touring and met people like you and, and just been out here and had the opportunity to, to keep on doing this. And through that, you know, I keep on bumping into musicians, 
some that I've known since I was younger that don't live in Chicago, like say Brandy Younger or Desron Douglas. These are musicians that I've known from my younger years who live in New York. Uh, to like, you know, being on the road and, and meeting Shabaka, you know, um, in Belgium like three years ago and us hitting it off and just having a friendship. And so like every time I meet somebody, you know, one thing that people, musicians always say, is like, man, we should play someday. You know, mm -hmm. but it ha doesn't always happen, you know, and so part of me really wanted to take an opportunity to like play with people and, and, and do this, you know, and the timing was as such that like with the in the moment gaining steam and the epic being epic, you know, and uh, you know, there's all this different stuff happening in the music, you know, West Coast get down, the London scene was popping, Chicago was having a really nice moment, you know, and all these different places. And I thought it was an interesting way of also you know, decentralizing, you know, there's like a, there was a feeling to me uh, in like coming up as a musician like that. There was no, there's no hope for you, especially if you're going to enter jazz, you know, and even I, in Chicago where it's, it's oh, a I didn't bit grow, more in the I didn't tapestry. grow up in Chicago. Oh, but that's true. It was in, in I, Europe. I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Ah, Massachusetts, yes. Born in France. Born in France. Got but, you. um, but yeah, I think there was a feeling that there was like, it's hard to make it. The jazz market is hard. The whole music industry is not, it was, was really not uh, looking very healthy, you know? And when I started to see like, not, not like, oh man, Chicago's the place because look at our scene, what's popping? Or it must be London. London's the dopest jazz scene in the world because look what's happening. No, 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 it's West Coast. The West Coast, that's, that's the revival of jazz. You know, no, 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 no. It's New York. Everybody knows that New York is where jazz lives. And I was like, you know what? Actually, we're part of a global scene that's informed by the, our local scenes. And, and it's really amazing that all these things are happening congruently and they're also cross-affecting each other. And then it's not only, and then it, that goes beyond just London and Chicago and New York and LA. There are small music communities all over that, that, are, that have, are producing incredible musicians. Half the musicians that live in these cities move from their respective scenes anyway. And so, you know, part of doing that was to celebrate my local scene and the other local scenes that are there and really say like, hey, I mean, that was part of In The Moment. We're playing in a small little loungy spot and we are struggling to fill that place with 30 people, you know, struggling. And then when I made the record, it's reached a lot of people, a lot of people. And I always wanted to be like, hey, you know, down the street, there might be something amazing happening if you're willing to go in there. Are you willing to... Give the busker on the street some money. Check out what's happening because there's a lot of amazing stuff and, and the support is is important. So I really wanted to shine a light on the musicians where I was from, you know, or what I was connecting with and then also tell a larger narrative that this isn't uniquely to this one space, but all these, there's a lot of places that have a lot of depth culturally if we like, if we look and we engage, you know, and I think that's, that's, big part of the the message there is that it's 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 global but it's also it's also local exactly you know? i was just thinking of the phrase that emma warren the journalist uses global localism and i feel like your record universal beings as you were pointing towards you know really does that in bringing together uh, certain scenes but at the same time it just removes parameters and and you know ideas of 
of uh, sections. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like there's Chicago, there's there's Chicago people on the New York side and London people on the Chicago yeah. side. It's not cut and dry. It's not like I had to do this record and everything. Is I'm just out here trying to go places, play with people, uh, connect with audiences, and create something beautiful. Create community, and because. Um, you know, I don't think any artist is singular, and we can't do it on our own. You know, and so community is really is really important, and, and you know, or just even simple friendship or collaboration. That's it, and I guess what what comes with community and those friendships is the spaces that they're formed within, and the moments that that happen when you try to make a thing happen. And I feel like there's some really important spaces such as Co-Prosperity Sphere in Chicago, Total Refreshment Center in London, that were a part of these records. And I wonder if you could maybe talk us through the importance of space and how, how you might try to create a certain feeling within a space, or do you leave it to be completely organic and just put the best vibrations out that you can? I think it's a combination of that. I mean, I think you want to the people who are going to occupy the space are going to really define define the space in a lot of ways. I think why spaces are uh, important is because there needs to be somewhere for us to do this. Right? It's really simple, you know. Um, you need, we need a place to be able to to workshop our music, to connect with people, to feel safe, to 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 a safe space. I hate to use that terminology, but it's like this is a place for us to to grow and be together and, and meet each other and work on music and put it out there and start your start the engine of your scene you know like that's where you can start a following if you got a you know a community you know I, I, any project that I've done I've been part of that has had any bit of success or any fans always felt like I had a bit of a uh, like a, a community that we you would play first and then it was like oh okay we know that these 10 people, will support us and they'll tell their friends you know that's the that's a start you know and if there's no place for people to go and you know if it's like i can only get into a club that's going to charge 40 40 pounds with a two drink minimum you know like one who am i playing for mm -hmm. you know either people only the people who can afford that or or you're like starving some college kid who wants to get into the show you know like spending all of their money you know that's why these places are important you know and it's important it's important for to have clubs that you know can pay us but i don't know you know especially for the the, the creation of new mute music like young musicians where can the young musicians meet some older people and where or where can we come together and just hang and Right. You know, it's like I, you need a place to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I feel like in the UK, we're really lucky to, I mean, there's definitely a, the struggle. And I think we share that sort of sentiment where there's an important lack of spaces in which to go in without any kind of pressure or any kind of expectancy. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be so often, you know, higher charges and all these kind of things that make it difficult to not only find a space, but then be able to allow yourselves to use it. Um, but we do have amazing things, structures um, in London, like Tomorrow's Warriors, who provide spaces, for example, and Total Refreshment Center. Um, are there any in Chicago that are particularly important to you? Oh, yeah. Well, you mean, Code Prosperity Sphere has become a, a, a place that's been important to us. Um, and what's it like for anyone that doesn't know about the Yeah, the this is there? like, it's, it's like, a, it's an interesting place. It's a bit of a open gallery, kind of. 
Uh, and there's a radio station, there's an FM radio station in there, um, and a few different small businesses that have like, that are all like part of the community, and they do everything from, you know, arts shows to installations to kind of DIY style shows, because it's not really set up with a full stage, but you know, but uh, you know, it's really been a place where a lot of musicians and artists and community can come and just be together workshop, you know. It's you know, it's more of like a suggested donation type of vibe, um, but it also has like you know some backing with the radio station and and the people involved. And there's a lot of activism that takes part in in, in that space as well. Yeah, it's a good creative energy. And I guess with Chicago, you know, it's got such a long lineage of elders who have made an amazing impact on jazz that reverberates around the world. Um, People like uh, you know the Songwriter Orchestra down to the Art Ensemble of Chicago. The Art Ensemble. Well, you know there was a place we came up. Uh, There's an artist, Fred Anderson, and he had a club called the Velvet Lounge. And the Velvet Lounge was extremely important to us because that's where uh, the, the week, weekly jam session that we like to attend was. And that's where I got all my my first gigs as a leader was at this place. And this was a, a really really important place. It was really terrible when it closed. Um, what was it? Why, why did it close? Do you know? Well, Fred and he passed away, right. and then there was some kind of, you know, conflict with what was going to happen with this, the place, and eventually it just turned into a sports bar. Hmm. Because yeah. we need more of those. Because we need we more need of those. <laughs> so, you know, being in a city with these very inspiring elders, who I feel like are very open to share information and allow access to up-and-coming musicians where possible, what can you describe the kind of um, setting that provides for younger musicians? I mean, sort of yourself or those who are sort of coming up out of college right mm-hmm. now. Do, does it feel like it's quite a... Um, a responsibility to, to those elders to to you know aspire to that level, or is it something where there's it's a co- low it's, pressure it's kind co- of vibe? No, I think it's no, I think there's a pressure, you know, to to keep the the level of the music high. I, I I think I appreciate that as a pressure from from the elders, but I also think you know, I mean, the playing field is 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 changing. I I feel responsibility, at, you know, that to pass information on and and it's not always free it's not like you just show up and it's like oh here are the keys to the castle you know that's where you know some of you know the respect in the and like just the interaction with with the elders and i th- you know i think we're we're living at a time where a lot of the older connections to the roots of of this music are going you know and so i think it's really important to one honor the people while they're still here um and and uh, to like engage with young people and pass and pop pass information down and and engage and engage with people. Right. Um, you know, I, I really love jazz or music in general as oral tradition. You know, as something that's like folkloric almost. Um, and you know, when you get to stand next to somebody who was there there when the music was created, you know, you get to be directly there. I feel like it's more than just like the idea of lineage, but there becomes like a physical connection to the past to actually witness similar things that are hard to like maybe transcribe on paper with just with just like, oh yeah, this is how they were, this is what they believe. You know, you start to, so I think, you know, the more that we, you know, do touch people, 
and then you bring and then you touch other people, there's a bit of, there's even, you know, there's a physical lineage there, you know? Mm. And not that you have to, you know, have this mentor, that mentor to authentically play the music, but I do think it's like, we must do as much to engage with with that before it's gone. Absolutely. Or else, you know, there's really, there's, it's really hard to, to hold on to that. If you're enjoying this episode, you may also want to check out supremestandards.com where you'll find interviews, album of the week selections and more. It's also the place you'll find out first about our upcoming events. So follow us on social media too. Check out the site now, supremestandards.com. that has some really highly esteemed elders is uh, Johannesburg. And I feel like there is a lot of truth and a lot to be said about this kind of growing triangle that connects London, Johannesburg, and Chicago. Um, there's been a lot of things written about it, say on Vinyl Factory and other editorial sort of places, and a lot of kind of chat about um, relationships forming between those mm. three cities. So I'm thinking of um, Angel Bat David, who is on uh, the same label as you, International mm. Anthem, with her track dedicated to Cape Town, not too far away, and one to London as well. You've got Shbaka Hutchings based here, who's working with a lot of elders in uh, Johannesburg. And there's a, there's a real kind of um, direction forming. I just wanted to sort of ask if you subscribe to seeing that sort of you know, coming through? Is that something that you see relationships being formed between those three cities more and more? I don't, I don't know about, you know, the, the three cities or the China. I think, you know, there are musicians are, are, are looking to connect, you know, with the, whether their roots or through into the African diaspora. And I think, you know, uh, South Africa is, is a, place that's like a lot of con there's already a lot of connection a lot of connection there and we've seen that there's connection with chicago and and london and so yeah i think it's just kind of the the natural the natural progression of everything and, it's and the way it is. yeah it's just where it is yeah cool. i guess just with digital media the way it is over the last 10 20 years we like to notice these things and document them ever so quickly sure. which is a real good thing and i guess you see these sort of like uh, these moments happen, and they can be, they can look like longer stretches than what they are. But well, yeah, it's we'll a see. very small. I mean, we're still dealing with a very small window of recorded music, mm. let alone this genre or that genre. So the whole medium of recorded music is is relatively fresh. Maybe not to our lifetime, but we're still working it out. That's why the music industry is like com totally confused. Right. You know, because things are changing so so rapidly. Um, you know, one thing I think is notable about right now in speaking about elders and I've been noticing is like is a period right now where jazz is young again. Mm. You know, I think that's something I'm noting. And and it's not that like you know, the young musicians are better or worse or the, the elders and this and that. But if like, look at Lee Morgan or Herbie Hancock or any of the, or Tony Williams, when they started playing, they're 16, 17, 20 years old, you know? And so I think there's something really that was magical about, about young people making music. There's uh, less inhibitions, less things that you're thinking. Sometimes cats don't even realize how good they are. You know, I'm just like, ah, just, just, I'm just playing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I went out when I was 18, I, I was like playing with a lot of bands and, you know, there was things I would do completely differently 
and I think I'm much more advanced musician now. I'm much more thoughtful, but that just kind of this, the young spirit is 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 really amazing and special. And I think right now we're seeing a time where young people are 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 making music, and young people are listening to the music. and And I don't think it's like per, per, my particular feeling is not that the music is particularly different or particularly groundbreaking, but the audience and the media and the people who are participating have kind of evolved and that's why there's like a whole energy and once you put a little energy into an artist you show some support you give them a platform and a space to grow and think and be and and you know and it's not like you're just constantly banging against the walls you know the ceiling so i feel like right now is a really cool moment where there's a lot of young people and engaged and to me that's more of the amazing spirit than you know you know, if I was going to be trying to compare myself to the next John Coltrane or Art Blakey, like, I don't even want to even talk or like in those, I feel like that's not even the thing. Yeah. The thing is, is the, is the environment and the community and all the people that are listening and supporting and, and engaging in a way that creates meaningful experiences, you know, that are not just about how the music sounds, but about what's happening in the space, what's happening when we're here engaging with the music together. Absolutely. That's really special. And not to tackle your point either, because I completely agree with you, but in terms of, you know, apart, aside from not looking back and enjoying the environment we're in now, I do find it interesting that where jazz has kind of become young again, it's, it, that's kind of how it originated in the first place. It was dance music, it was rebellious music. It actually kind of, came out of, well, rock and roll was sort of born out of jazz, in a sense. This is why you had Rolling Stone and Downbeat kind of merging out of the same office. Um, and it's kind of interesting that it's sort of come back around to like, this is how we kind of like get sweaty now. This is how we dance around now. Like we're, you know, sweating out and dancing to your music and Theon Cross and whoever else we're seeing. So it's kind of cool that the original, not purpose, that feels a bit manufactured, but the original kind of feel of it is being returned to slightly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of of the thought that this never changed. Interesting. You know, it's never changed. There's never not been people making progressive music in jazz. Mm. You know, when Bossa Nova came, which we might want to think of as old, and, and, and it was the new thing. It was the new thing. It was the hip thing, you know? Same thing when, when Headhunters came out in the 70s and jazz musicians were, were incorporating funk and synthesis and synthesizers, you know? No different than now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the avant-garde music, you know, that, you know, that's in the 60s, you know, the 60, early, late 50s or early 60s were such a progressive time in the music because in 59, you had Shape of Jazz to Come, you know, you had Jimmy Smith, uh, organ grind. You had uh, um, uh, Miles Davis, kind of blue, kind of blue, and you had uh, Coltrane's Giant Steps. All these things were happening, you know, and and so there's like this constant narrative that was like, oh, jazz died then, and then it died here, and then it died again, and then down and down, and then, oh, then these guys revived it. And it's like, I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> and it's always been here, you know, and that's what I'm saying. If you go and you open your eyes and look around, there's always going to be some people and trying to trying to do something that engages with now and is takes mastery of the craft and and also engages with the past right. and where it came from and so I, I that's that's my that's my take is that 
that's not new. That's not different. Mm -hmm. That's the same. It's how we engage with it, how the how we talk about it. You know, where does it fit in 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 popular in the popular discussions right now? Yeah, is it at the forefront of discussions? Yeah, or is it kind but it of was in the early two thousands and and the nineties, and like they've been doing jazz. Miles Davis did a jazz hip hop record in the late eighties. You know what I mean? Listen, to me, this is it's directly taking part in what the like the music has done from it, from it, from its inception. And um, so I kind of push back on that narrative a bit. No, that's a really interesting perspective. And we're going to open up uh, to questions in a few minutes. Um, but before that, I just kind of want to like bring it back to the now. Um, who are you playing with later on today? Who's in your band? Um, I have Junius Paul on bass, who's a longtime collaborator of mine. Great musician, also works with the art ensemble. Excellent wearer um, of tights as well. Excellent Fantastic wearer of tights. tights great, great style. Quite a handsome, tall, dark man. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt Gold on guitar, again, another uh, longtime collaborator of mine. Greg Spiro on piano. Um, great pianist, he has his own group, Spirit Fingers. They're going to be here in the UK in a couple weeks. Um, and a young saxophonist, Irvin Pierce from Chicago. Sweet, really strong bands. And uh, where are you creatively right now? Are you, obviously, you're touring quite a bit, but. Are you one of those people that are always writing, or are you in like a touring headspace and then a writing I, headspace? I've, I have everything happening at once all the time. Nice. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of buzzing on in there. There's a <laughs> lot going on. I mean, there's uh, several tours mm -hmm. coming up, and not only this one we're in the process of accomplishing, but we have uh, maybe three, four more tours this year. Um, we'll be back to Europe two, two more, three more times. And then we have some more North America touring. Um, and I have a variety of recording projects um, that were in different levels of progress um, from some kind of remix project stuff that I can't really talk about to uh, next full length record that we're in process of recording to producing some other artists that, that are in my camp. So there's quite, a, quite a few things on, on, on my plate. That's Ho wicked. Hopefully I don't, you know, like, you do have a lot going on. Like, are you? Do you just kind of like feed off of the excitement of always having, you know, five things going at once? I just, I've, I've always been a bit like this since I was young. Um, I've always worked with a lot of projects. When I was doing a lot of sideman work, I would be working with five to ten bands at once. You know, right. while like maybe teaching on the side and and you know booking a venue and maybe I was like producing records. Or I was like kind of like you know, helping manage a recording studio and producing records there. I've done, I've always had my hands in quite a lot of things and that's just kind of how I've operated. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it could be a lot, you know, I got two young children as well. So of course, you're a family yeah, man. So, yeah. you know, I just stay, I just stay busy and, you know, um, you know, I'll sleep some other time. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that sentiment. Um, so do we have any questions in the audience? Has anybody got a burning question about anything we talked about? We've got a mic for down in front. The guy with the great green shirt. Take it away. Yeah. Is this on? Okay. Um, yeah, your, um, your past two albums seem to like, have come out of like, quite an iterative process of like, recording and producing and so on. But like, I was wondering, if you know how you're, when you're done with that process, like when to stop with, with the re-recording, the editing. That's a great question. Um, you know, 
I can't say I, I could do it all by myself. You know, outside pressure is, 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 has been a great tool. You know, so I'm thankful for, um, you know, my label, Scotty McNeese, who runs a label, who will be like, you got to finish this shit, like, tomorrow. <laughs> and so then, and then it happened. And then, you know, then, like, you know, a week later, I'll be like, I got it in a week late, you know. But, but uh, you know, I tend to, I, you know, I, I like to have deadlines, uh, whether they're self, self-imposed or imposed from the outside. I think it's a great way to, to keep yourself honest. And at some point, it's like, I could always redo it or make another decision or, or, or judge, judge this thing again, you know? And, 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 at, and at some point, you know, as a, as a performer, say in the improvised space, you know, at some point you step on stage and I'm gonna bear myself to the world, warts and all, and you can take it or leave it, you know? And I'm gonna do my very best to present something that I'm proud of and is an honest representation of what I can do and what I can put out there, you know? And any more than that, you know, you start to get on yourself harder than that, then you start to do a worse job, you know? And, and that's something I really wanna avoid, avoid. You know, I, that's one thing why I wanted to avoid the recording studio. Like, I hate that feeling you, in, a, in a session and everybody does the take and then we walk into the control room to listen back and everybody's like, oh, I sounded terrible. Oh, I sounded so bad. Oh man, we gotta do another 10 takes of the song. And sometimes I'll walk in just as a joke, I'll be like, man, I sounded amazing. Did you hear what I just played? That was amazing. And it can, it can break a little bit of that spirit a little bit. But so at some point it's like, you know, if my ego is gonna constantly tell me that I should be performing at this level because this is my own self-image, and then I, I'm only playing to here, and so then I get down on myself, and then you start second-guess yourself, and you start playing worse, you know? And so I think there's a bit of like something of, of like the audacity to suck. You know, you have to, you know, you gotta come out a little bit and you gotta put enough work into your craft and to have the confidence to get out there, but once you're out there, you know, once I'm like, I've made this, at some point you just gotta be like, this is what it is, and I'm gonna put this to the world, and, and this is who, this is a representation of what I, what I have to, to give, you know? And I, I believe that if you can, you know, give a, give a couple less shits, you know? You give yourself the opportunity, you know, to reach levels that maybe you didn't know were there, you know, rather than constantly, you know, digging at yourself. You, I mean, you, there's a point, I'm, I'm about a minute, a, a amount of that you have to do to get better. You gotta be your one worst critic, but you really have to find a place where you can just come out and have some peace with what you can produce and what you have to give and just give it honestly and vulnerably um, to the best of your ability, you know, and, and then the rest is, you know, it's always gonna, it's gonna do more better than hurt. That was a great question. Thank you. And do we have any others over here in the great hat? I, I presume you don't just uh, record all your music, but you play live. Do you, do you um, experience an emotional connection with your audience when you play? I mean, do you, do you find that uh, if the audience is responding to you, that you play better? Uh, as a performer myself, I mean, as a singer, I feel uh, Do I know. perform better? Maybe not. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I put that in the hands of the audience, but I'm an emotional 
connection, absolutely. You know, well, if there's a, if the audience is, if we're having, a, if there's a great spirit, if this feels great, that's gonna feel great, and we're gonna have an experience. I don't know if that means I played better, you know, on a technical way, you know, but I think in terms of the experience of a performance, did we have a great time? You know, not every best performance is the best performance. Is I guess what I'm saying. It's, you know, how the room feels is different than how we play. But, but um, yeah, yeah, the connection with the audience is, for me, is like bulk share of of what I what I get from uh, from performing live. You know, and and I do think of the live experience a little bit different than consuming um, recorded music. And so, the way that I make the records that I've been playing the way that we perform them, the way they sound on tape and this, they're completely, they're completely different. I'm playing the same material, but now we're interpreting it for the live space versus a recording. And some of the stuff might be really similar, but, but, uh, but there's things we can do live that won't come across the same way on re recording and, and vice versa. But how do you um, reconcile that with your, your original sort of talk about the the musical space. I mean, surely the, the audience, the, the, the participation of the audience is part of that musical space. Like. Well, that's the thing. I'm saying, like, what happens in the, the space, right? You have to rec make the recorded music. Well, so it's a mul my, these projects are multi-tiered, which makes it a little bit complicated. I'll do a concert in, a, say, an intimate space like this, where we can play acoustically, you know, more acoustic timbre is a little bit more on the creative music side. When I make creative music, I'm talking about acoustic avant-garde a little, you know, we're a little bit more in, in an acoustic space and we're improvising. And I record that and I'm gonna chop it up and edit it and represent it and recontextualize the audio in a recorded format that only exists truly in the recorded form because we cannot truly perform chopped up improvisations now, right? Now we have to interpret those pieces, right, as compositions. And so when it comes to the performance, where I'm gonna tour and then I'm gonna play the music off the record, I'm gonna bring a band and we're gonna learn these, this material and then we're gonna interpret them like a jazz band would, you know, by improvising through set form that was created in this, through a process. And then for me, the goal is in the, in the, the next, so the first live show is to do something free and improvise and it's a little bit more close and, and there's a feeling in the room, we're getting that and we're capturing it and I'm recontextualizing it into this new recorded space that only lives in the realm of the recorded world. I can DJ it and you can hear it, but I can't play it with a band again. And then from there, I'm going to represent those compositions with a, a live band performance in which we're going to go to the space that we're going to play and we're going to play the room. We're going to feel what the crowd feels like. We're going to, you know, be there for the performance and for the audience as much as we are for the composition. But we can't really recreate that original composition because it was made in such a particular kind of fashion. And so now the show is all about connecting, actually, more than anything. It's like now we're, we've got everybody here yeah, we're gonna play this stuff off the record, but we're gonna have a good time. Are we gonna have a good time, y'all? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time, and I wanna make music. I want the music to make, make you think, or make you cry, or make you laugh, or make you wanna dance. 
you know, or make you want to scream, or make you want to leave, you know, <laughs> or something, elicit some sort of ex like experience, you know, that's, that people can have, you know, that's the magic of music. That's awesome. Um, your question, thank you, reminded me of something. It, um, from the way that you're talking about these interesting spaces, the last time I saw you play live was in Chicago, in the South Side, in an old bank with uh, ballet dancers. And you were both improvising off of each other. Yeah. Um, and it was a really fascinating thing to see. I, you know, I'd never put those three elements together before, and I'd never seen it. And I loved the way that you were um, really leaning in to capture the feeling of what was happening and, and listening and watching so intently. So I wonder if you could sort of just talk me through something that has pushed you creatively lately, where you've tried something new. I mean, that feels like something that you probably might not have done before. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's something like that over the last sort of year or so where you have gone, ah, this is a new, this is a new experience. So this is a new way of thinking. Maybe with one of the current projects you're working on or? I don't, I don't know. They're always, always a bit new. It's always like <laughs> profound and fresh. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, and yeah. or, I mean, I, I, have, I have like, you know, made the comment many times, like if I'm on an airplane, I'm talking to somebody I just met, and they're like, what kind of music do you play? And I say, anywhere you've ever seen live music, I've done that. <laughs> covers it all. You know, wedding, corporate party, background music, uh, funer funeral, players ball, arenas, rock clubs, jazz clubs, you name it, like I've done, I've done everything. So. At that point, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's not like what's like the fresh sets, but it is, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's always looking for something fresh and cha like challenging and, and some way to feel kind of inspired and engaged. So right. I don't know, it's hard to, there's so many things going on, it's hard to, but uh, many times do I feel inspired uh, throughout the year. Yeah, many little things to sort of stimulate and inspire the imagination. Um, I think we have time for one more question over here in the green top, it would be awesome. Hi. Um, I was wondering how you chopped and spliced up your record, um, Where We Come From, and whether you went into it with any pre-existing ideas. I was thinking particularly of uh, Soweto Kinch's bars, which came a nice little motif for me. Well, uh, no, there's not too much pre-thought pre going on there. Um, and, it's, and it's also, that record was a bit collaborative, you know, because of the, a lot of DJs came in and did quite a lot of work. Uh, the way that we did the... The record was, we did the live show, and then the next day, uh, all the DJs and producers were presented that to create their chops or their interpretations on the spot, just like we performed on the spot. And then everybody sent in the tracks, and then I took those and weaved them together with my own edits and my own chops, so it had like a, a, like a, a, a mixtape kind of play, you know? And you know, generally, I, I don't. I try not to go. I, not, I try not to have too much pre-thought. I I don't want to. I don't want to bring that into. I just kind of want to listen to the music and 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 make something that sounds cool, you know. And so, in a sampling sense, I'm. I, the process of editing and chopping and producing for me, there's a lot of listening, and mental transcribing, of what everybody played and being like, okay, this works or this doesn't work or I want to flip that or. Oh, that bar right there, that's really dope. Or I love that bar, but 
like the second half of it, you know, is a little bit weird. So I'm gonna get rid of the second half of that bar and I gotta find a replacement. And then it's like, oh, it sounds too much like a, it's a loop. Well, I wanna make a four bar phrase or an eight bar phrase. And now I wanna like, now I need a bridge or I need a second section, you know, or how are we gonna allow this to go? Because just the loop may, may be boring. You know, and so like, what's the narrative? What's the story here? How are we gonna tell a story with the music? And that's the kind of stuff I'm doing when I'm when I'm editing, working is a lot of listening and trying to find where the where the where it tells me the music will tell me what choices to make after a while, you know. And it, and not it's not always obvious. Sometimes I'm I mean I work on this stuff for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I work on it a, a long time. So it's yeah, it's not just like a, an immediate immediate thing. When an idea happens, it's always an immediate thing. You know, that's how comp composing feels sometimes. It's like you work work to write something and you can't write something, and then when it comes to you, it's like boom. So I, I don't I don't know where that comes from. So it makes you a beat scientist, I think. A lot um, of a lot of experimenting, which yes. goes all along with this beat scientist idea down in the lab a lot of experimenting sweet cool well long may you experiment um thank you very much for coming straight off your flight and hanging out with us please put your hands together for mccraven McCraven. and he'll be playing uh, later on tonight as well once you've had a little chill and up on stage so yeah be sure to catch it thanks man thank you supreme standard